Welcome to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Whether you're listening live on the Community Radio Network or via podcast, here's the show where you learn from experts, be inspired by journeys, and discover more about making your small business a success. I'm Alexi Boyd, broadcaster, advocate, and small business owner. Let's meet today's guest. So an ABN is an Australian business number, which is required for anyone to be conducting business activities in Australia. It's a unique 11-digit identifier issued by the Australian Business Register, which is operated by the ATO. We all know this, right? But what you might not know is the incredible mechanics behind maintaining this huge database used by businesses, advisors, government agencies all over the world. Did you know that the ATO conducts regular audits of these numbers and cancels them if they're unused or over a period of time or that the integrity of this system is a fundamental part of the Australian financial landscape? So let's get it straight from the ABR and the ATO themselves. Michelle Crosby is the Deputy Registrar for the Australian Business Register and Deputy Commissioner for the Commonwealth Business Registry of the ATO. She's going to talk to us about the work the ATO is doing to lead the world in building a modernised registered service and transform the way businesses interact with government. She's also going to share new requirements for company directors and discuss how registry information helps governments provide support to the businesses and the community. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks, Alexi. Great to be here. Now, what's amazing about I have to ask, first of all, does, does that full title fit on any business card? <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's, it's really hard to get out sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> I must say you're one of the first people at the ATO who works with, in conjunction, in, in dual roles, both with the ABR and the ATO. Um, is, that, is that an interesting circumstance? I mean, how, does, how do you find yourself working in both of those departments? Do they cross over naturally? Yes. Well, the Commissioner is the um, uh, Registrar as well as the Commissioner of Taxation. And whilst there's a degree of separation, it's um, we, uh, we do work really closely together uh, to make sure that we're supporting the Australian community. Awesome. Now let's get stuck in. What's changed recently and how is the ATO and the government modernising in regards to the use of ABR data? Yeah, it was um, really great to hear the Prime Minister and Treasurer announce their commitment to um, bringing together business registers uh, a couple of weeks ago as part of the digital business package. And at the moment, businesses have to go to a number of government agencies to uh, register uh, their businesses and they have to repeat data. And so the government's committed to making it easier for businesses to deal with government. And is that across, uh, do you imagine that's going to become across state and federal levels where that information just follows us around as a business, as an entity? Yeah, well, we're starting at the Commonwealth level. So bringing together the registers that currently sit with companies name, company and business names with the ABR. And they're the main Commonwealth business requirements. But over time, you would imagine once you've got a complete set of business registry data, that can then be shared with the states to, to make it much easier across the board. And that's things like Service New South Wales. I know that in New South Wales, for example, they're looking at, uh, I guess, making it easier for business to do business with lots of different agencies. It's almost like you're taking that approach from the state level and making it federal as well so that we can work with different agencies without having to punch in our details constantly. Yeah, and people like Services New South Wales, we're already sharing ABR data with them to make it easier for them. Um, We've probably got the most complete data set of business information uh, across the country. And so we are sharing that data with government agencies to make it um, for them to provide services to their communities. 
I'm going to ask the obvious question. What about the security and the concern that anybody might have out there about um, this? I guess it's not necessarily confidential because it is publicly available, but having it all in one place might make people out there nervous because they might feel that their identity of their business may be um, stolen or replicated. What uh, is in the pipeline to make sure that sort of thing doesn't happen? Yeah, we're obviously very conscious of all of the cybersecurity requirements and uh, and making sure that when you do bring data together, this data, much of the data today is publicly available through ASICS registries. So I think the bringing together the data doesn't necessarily introduce a new level of risk in respect of that making that data available. But we'll certainly be conscious of that, working with the cybersecurity experts to protect people's data. And the Cybersecurity Office of Australia, I can't remember their name, the Australian Cybersecurity Commission, um, are they going to be part of, you know, the stakeholders that are going to work with the ABR and the ATO to make sure all of this is secure? Yeah, we're working with a number of government agencies mm. to both from the Digital um, Transformation Agency, uh, Department of Industry, ASIC. So we're working, I think it's probably about six or seven government agencies that will be involved in bringing this program together. Do we have a timeline yet? Do we know when we can imagine being able to use this information across different agencies or is it an ongoing project? Yeah, so at the moment, ABR data today is being used across a number of government agencies and certainly it's been really valuable data set as part of the bushfire and COVID recovery efforts. But the bringing together of all of ASIC's data with the ATO data, that it's a four-year program of work. We'll start to, to see some of the deliverables in 2021, but it will then um, take about four years to bring everything together. You mentioned with the, the fires, that was a good use of where data using it across government agencies made everything more efficient. Um, I'm a business who was affected by the fires, say, on the south coast of New South Wales, for example. Well, how, how would that have affected me? How would that have benefited me on the ground in, in my real life circumstance? Would I have known that was going on in the background or would it have just been um, as a result of that making it easier for me to go through the channels to get support, for example? Yeah, as a small business, you may not have uh, known directly that it was going on, but uh, certainly down the south coast of New South Wales, ABR data was being used by the National Bushfire Recovery Agency and the councils to, to connect. So we have uh, place of business information and um, types of business information, so ANSIG codes, that we're able to share with the Bushfire Recovery Agency. So they were able to then target their efforts for those small businesses in those locations. So whether it was delivery of grants or support services, that data was used to really get in touch quickly with businesses. It kind of sounds to me like a, um, you know, a, a big statistics, a big big survey um, that we have for businesses, because we do that on an individual level, don't we, um, for, for society. It, this almost provides businesses and governments and all those support agencies with a list. You go into an area, you go, right, these are the guys who need our help. Here's the list. We've got it because we know it's robust and it's supported and it's accurate. And that's what's put together by ABR. Is that the ultimate aim of this um, four-year project? Yeah, absolutely. Look, 
the the data set is really critical. Um, I'll give you another example. In as part of COVID, Cessnock City Council used our data to be able to connect businesses who were essential services businesses with suppliers and manufacturers of personal protective equipment. And so that understanding the nature of businesses when they might need support. That's why keeping that data up to date is really important, understanding the business address and being able to make contact with people or small businesses really quickly. Mm, yeah, I mean, it, it, and it, it, is a, it is a matter of timing, isn't it? You want to make sure that everybody's got the information there at hand. And I guess because it is publicly valued, available, we don't need to be too concerned about the information that's out there. It's just about bringing it together into something that's usable for agencies and for other people. Can we imagine that it'll become... I guess because it becomes a more robust and more accurate set of information, we know how valuable those lists are um, to marketing and salespeople. Could it fall in the wrong hands or is that where the cybersecurity comes in? Yeah, look, I mean, as part of making the data available, it's only available to government agencies at the moment, the um, uh, the level of detail that we're talking about here. Mm. So we're certainly making sure it's not falling into the wrong hands there. And as part of um, uh, providing that information to government agencies, we're very um, conscious of what they're using that data for as well. So that's part of my role to make sure that the data is only being used to provide social and economic outcomes for the Australian community. And we'll be very conscious of that as we design out the new system around when and where we make data available. Yeah, I mean, and, and that that sort of that level of security, I think, is going to probably make a lot a lot of people feel a lot more comfortable, particularly in these concerns. We're in such troubling times and such difficult times. Let's take a quick quick break here on Small Biz Matters. Listen to some community service announcements, and when we come back, I want to ask you about um, the changes to the director identification number because that's going to have a big um, impact on directors of companies out there, which I think a lot of you out there may not realise that you are. You're listening to Triple H. We'll be back after this. This episode of Small Biz Matters is proudly sponsored by the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman's Office. Led by Kate Carnell since its establishment only four years ago, Aspifio has provided education, advocacy and support, including free assistance if a small business is involved in a dispute. The office also provides assistance for disputes that fall under the franchising, dairy, horticultural and oil industry codes. Kate Carnell, as an independent advocate for small business owners, has the legislative power to influence our nation's lawmakers, ensuring legislation and regulations are put in place to help small businesses grow and in these times, survive. Small businesses are the engine room of the economy and it's Aspifio's role to do all they can to ensure they have the freedom to innovate, employ and thrive well into the future. Welcome back to Triple H 100.1 FM. You're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd and we're speaking to the ATO and the ABR at the same time all about that big database of ABNs, how it's maintained, supported, uh, scrutinised and looked after by both of those agencies. Just before the break, Michelle Crosby was telling us about how uh, they are working to improve uh, the... I guess the robustness of this list and making sure that it's accurate and how government agencies use it. Michelle, I wanted to ask you about the director identification number uh, and why it's being introduced. It, it seems to me like quite a, not a big change, but an important change that small business needs to be aware of. 
Yeah, thanks, Alexi. Director identification numbers have been talked about for quite some time. Um, when a company is registered, there's no identification on the um, that directors need to provide. And so over time, what that has meant is that you've got people like Homer Simpson or Elvis Presley <laughs> registered as company directors. And and so these fictitious directors, uh, whilst that's not necessarily mischief in itself, the whole measure is designed to really um, uh, help to prevent some of the illegal phoenixing activities that ha occur in the community and cost the economy something like $5.1 billion annually. Hang on, how, do the, how does that, having the fictitious characters, oh, sorry, I did have a bit of a giggle there, but I know it's a very serious topic. No, it is serious. <laughs> but how does, how does that cause problems for the economy? Is it because of phoenixing and the, you know, the anti-tax ramifications? What is it that causes problems? Yeah, at the moment, we don't know who sits behind a company because there's no identity on them. And so there's no traceability. So you can have Mark Smith or Mark A. Smith or Mark Andrew Smith, and we don't know which companies they're associated with. And so when we introduce director identification numbers, you'll actually have a single identifier for that one individual and be able to trace their relationships with various companies. And through that, that will allow for greater detection of that illegal phoenixing activity. So it's it, it's a, a I guess a backbone of the um, the support mechanisms that you guys need and government agencies need to ensure that people are doing the wrong thing and not, I guess, stealing tax or, or trying to get away with tax in in in, in a phoenixing capacity. Yeah, certainly it allows the regulators to um, to really identify uh, the, and to trace. Um, uh, situations where uh, through that illegal phoenixing where, you know, a new companies being established and the assets are put into the new company, leaving behind the old company and often a lot of debt. And generally speaking, it's small businesses that are worse off as a result of that. And so this measure will really help small businesses um, and protect them from illegal phoenixing activities. And so if you are one of these people that has multiple entities that you are a director of, um, is that something you should be concerned about? Is it, is it a red flag that you're going to be more heavily scrutinised now that you're going to have um, each of these companies listed with you as a director or have you just got to learn how to manage that and it's just a matter of doing the right thing under those circumstances? Yeah, it's not a concern in itself because there there are many genuine cases where you've got directors of multiple companies. So that's not a concern in itself. But if we did see um, uh, people being associated with companies that are closing down and debts being left behind and that's a pattern, then that's an indicator for us as regulators that potentially there's some mischief going on that we might want to have a look at. And the director identification number, uh, is that something that you'll have your ABN, um, you'll have your tax file number associated with whatever entities is that you're working with. And then in addition to that, there'll be this director number that is going to be associated with the multiple companies or the singular company that you work with. Is that fundamentally how it works? Yeah, sadly, we are introducing a new number. So it will be um, yet another government number. Um, you know, a number of people have asked us why we're not using a tax file number for it. But, you know, a tax file number is um, quite a confidential number of an individual and um, director identification numbers um, uh, may be available more broadly. So it is another number that's being introduced. But um, in this digital age, None of us have to remember our numbers, so um, or write them down on pieces of paper. I hope. No. But, um, uh, 
although I, I'm sure many of us still do. But so it'll be um, a new number. It'll be associated with you for life. And so it's not like you'll have to get one for every uh, company that you're associated with. You get that one number for life and it will be linked to companies that you're linked to. And I would say as well that, I mean, I lived in the States for about six months and I was astounded about the fact that your social security number, which is a unique identifier for you, is on everything. It's on your student card. It's on your driver's license. It is the one number that I would have thought you should protect against any sort of identity fraud, but it's everywhere. And I found that quite remarkable. So when, you know, I think I'm not against having lots of different numbers because I feel as though, you know, it's a different, another level of protection and it's not using the same number. And, and we must remember that. We must remember that our tax phone numbers are really quite sensitive information, as is your date of birth, as is um, those special security questions that you shouldn't discuss with anyone. And Absolutely. Just, <laughs> now, when, when we're on the subject of pen and paper, um, there's some great programs out there. Those of you who are thinking, oh my God, another number I need to remember. There's some great um, highly encrypted programs like LastPass or one pass that you can put in the back of your system, which you can use across multiple devices and they will hold all of your that information secure for you. Just don't forget your master password. Uh, <laughs> so there are things that you can do to make sure that you're not feeling um, a little bit overwhelmed by the thought of getting a different number. So this director uh, identification number, the main purpose of why it's being introduced is to provide more transparency around the directors, the people who are looking after these different companies. Have I got that in a nutshell? Yeah, that's correct. So, um, yeah, as I mentioned, there is no identification at the moment. So we don't genuinely know who sits behind every um, every company. So going forward, we'll understand. So you have to prove your identity to get a director identification number. That'll then be linked to a company. So we will know exactly who sits behind which companies and whether they're behind multiple companies going forward. It sounds like a fantastic approach. Now, um, look, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the program, Michelle. I've learned lots about the ABR, the ABNs, the new director, DI, director information, DIN. I'm sure there'll be an acronym there somewhere coming up. It will be, we're the ATO. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Now, where can people find out more about what the ABR does and how they work with small businesses? Yeah, so if you go to abr.gov.au, some fantastic information on there, particularly around whether you're entitled to an ABN and how to go about getting one. And obviously, we'll use all of the great ATO channels, uh, Small Biz News, and we'll be working with our trusted advisors as we look to roll out this program of work. We can't do this without the tax agents and BAS agents and small business advisors. So we'll certainly be working very closely with them going forward. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for providing us with that very interesting update from the ATO and the ABR. If you've missed any of today's program, you can catch up via our website, smallbizmatters.com.au or wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, they're everywhere with over 180 podcasts available to download on small business education just like this one. Thank you again, Michelle, for coming on the program. Pleasure. Thanks, Alexi. This week's episode was proudly broadcast from Triple H Studios in Sydney, Australia and sponsored by the Office of the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman. If you've enjoyed listening, go ahead and give us some thank you stars on your podcasting platform. It would be much appreciated. Then head to the Small Biz Matters website where you can listen to over 170 episodes, read more about our speakers and find out how to become a media partner. See you all next time. 